welcome to Movie the Musical, a podcast about movies that have been turned into musicals. I'm your host, Ben Kay, and welcome to what we are calling Season 2 of this wonderful podcast. We are here to investigate, interrogate, and celebrate the art of adaptation from screen to stage. We are a podcast that loves questions, and today's question is... Why are the Nazis back? <laughs> when did that happen? Why we we had this very clear point in time in the 1930s, 1940s, where we decided, I feel like as a world, hey Nazis, take a hike. And now they're back. What the fuck is up with that? The panel well, is so we hired them all to be uh scientists for NASA <laughs> and the rest of them went to uh Argentina and have been hanging out there. So didn't really leave, they just changed hemispheres. Yeah, not a fan. We don't I don't get quote unquote political on this podcast. But I feel like the, the our episode today kind of necessitated uh, 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 I don't know, a uh, strong anti Nazi stance. <laughs> if it needs to be said. Always. I feel like it's just something to reiterate every now and then. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, Nazis, take a hike. Um, Stop being anti-Semitic, not a fan. Um, If you haven't figured it out already, um, or even just from the name of the episode in your browser or on your phone, um, of course today's episode uh, is about the 1967 film The Producers, directed by Mel Brooks, and its subsequent 2001 musical theater adaptation, The Producers, with a book by Mel Brooks and Thomas Meehan and music and lyrics by Mel Brooks. This one guy did it all. What a mensch. Uh, with us, as always, is our wonderful producer and editor, Bran Moorhead. Hello, Bran. Hello, Ben. We did it. We made it. We got... We made it. <laughs> a, a... We've got... I think by the time this one comes out, we'll have... Three Patreon and ten regulars, so Who that's knew? pretty good. Who knew? Wow. Lucky 13. Rolling, rolling right along. Uh, and joining us today, so fucking excited that this wonderful human is here. Uh, they are an actor. They are a podcaster. They are a writer. They host the wonderful podcast, Where Are We Now? And you might know them from a future episode uh, that will be featured, uh, the film School of Rock. The wonderful Rivka Reyes is here. Hi, honeys. Ah, this is so fun. I we, love this already. Yeah, you're right. Why are the Nazis back? Uh, stay. <laughs> stay gone. Stay gone. Not to get political. Not to get political, but I think Jews should be alive. I think absolutely, like, nobody should, like, hate on Generally. us. We're, like, actually the best. And yeah. we're so innately magical. And I, I love us so much. We're, we're, us uh, we're, being Jews. Yes, we're good folk. Um... And we've got a wonderful Jew that we're talking about today, Mr. Mel Brooks. Um, yes. He's a, one of the best. One of the best. 94 years old as of this recording and still kicking. Good on you, Melvin Kaminsky. Um, <laughs> that's his name. He's born Melvin Kaminsky. Kaminsky. Melvin Kaminsky. Melvin Kaminsky. 1920. Wow. Born June 28th, 1926. And I learned today that Gene Wilder's name is Jerome Sild Silberman. <sighs> Jerome Silberman. It's, I mean, Gene, I feel like Gene Wilder even sounds like a Jewish name still, but. Yeah. A little, yeah. I mean, Mel Brooks as well. I don't know. It's, I'm always fascinated by sort of like uh, folks 
uh, in, in, I don't know. I don't know. It's I also always- like never really thought about the, what the long version of the boy name Mel is. Cause I know Melanie or Melissa. Sure. Right, yeah. For, Melvin. For Mel. Yes. Melvin. Melvin. I never, I never thought of that. We Melvin. love a Melvin. I think we should bring Melvin as a name back into the, you the know, culture. People be naming their kids old lady names and stuff. <laughs> like you've, you've seen a lot of mods. There's been mm-hmm. an uprising of mods. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what about Fern? Fern? Fern is a good old lady. I love the name Fern. Mm-hmm. You've seen a lot of Agnes. Um, Agnes is a good one. Gertrude. Yeah. yeah. Just we'll just spend two hours Esther. listing off old women's names. Es- My grandmother's name is Bertha Lean. Bertha Lean. Mine's is Audrey. Hey, Audrey. Okay. Hey, speaking of old ladies. And hey. the producers uh, I'm gonna bring us back Now Rivka I, Very good I, I, I know I found it I found the hook Pulling us back uh, Rivka uh, I sent you like A bunch of uh, shows To potentially cover uh, On this show And this is the one That you chose And I'd love to sort of hear Just like Instinctively Sort of what What was it about Either this film Or this musical That you that, Why you wanted to talk About it today well, um, I never, I had never seen the original and Same. I wanted to, I was just like, I want to watch the original. Cause I had seen the Broadway and then I had seen the, um, the movie that was made mm-hmm. based on, <laughs> so we actually have a movie that became a musical that became a movie again. Sure did. And the film version. It'll be on the Patreon. Yeah. Well, yes, the film version of the producers from 2005 um, was just a staple in my family. Like yeah. my siblings and I absolutely adore that movie. Like we've watched it so many times that like occasionally some, I think you, you two both know my sister Jojo. Yeah. Like she'll, mm-hmm. she'll just like out of nowhere, just money back. And like, or we'll like quote, we'll like aggressively like quote the movie at each other. And when I saw that on the list, I was like, oh yeah, there was a movie before the musical, before the movie. Like, and I wanted to watch it because I love Gene Wilder, yes. love Mel Brooks and like love, um, I, I mean, I love Zero Mostel as well. Like, you know, just hearing him on like <laughs> original soundtracks and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I, I just wanted to see the the similarities um, and the differences and and yeah, there's there's many. There's I was a, I was gonna say there's a lot. There's a lot of both. There's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of differences. Um, yeah, there's like full scenes that are word for word with the Broadway, and then there yep. are characters that are just not in it, and things that are not in it probably for a good reason. Yep. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I really love the producers, uh, the musical itself. I think. It's got some of my favorite like comedy in it in across all musical theater. Yeah. Like and the show itself, like also like Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick are like so fucking charming. And I was just like, there's no way I'm gonna like oh, yeah. this original version at all. But like I love I mean, Gene Wilder, uh, he's so this was his first movie. Um, like his first major oh, role wow. in a movie. And that's why, that's why yeah. he was like, not but she, in, in the intro, he's like introducing Gene Wilder or like yeah. something like that or featuring Gene it's something Wilder. Something like that. Yeah. And uh, he's so good. He's just so, uh, he's he so got an Oscar nomination. He got a supporting actor at Oscar nomination for this. No well, so cool. well deserved. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it, I, well, I mean, we'll get into it. Yeah. And it won the Oscar for best original screenplay. 
It um, did? It sure did. Mm-hmm. The year is 1967. Uh, many moons ago. Uh, Mel, Mel Brooks me- named uh, Melvin Kaminsky. Um, yeah, before we get into musical talk. So Melvin Kaminsky, Mel Brooks, he fought in World War II. He was a colonel uh, during the Second World War, which is bananas to me. Um, and then he was a writer on Sid Caesar's show of shows. Uh, and that's where he met, uh, obviously met Sid Caesar. He met Carl Reiner. I believe Neil Simon wrote on that show. It was like this huge, like contingent of like mid-century Jewish writers, like were like on that show and like that's sort of how they got their starts. Um, and that's sort of where he developed his sort of, uh, comic sensibility and he obviously he has his famous uh 2000 year old man routine with the late great Carl Reiner um so fucking funny um, very funny but he always had this idea that he he just he wanted to I mean obviously he was a he was and is uh, a proud Jewish comedian and a proud comedian of sort of the great Jewish tradi- tradition of finding comedy and tragedy just you know the sort of like the finding comedy in 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 Jewish suffering, and he's like, I just I and he his sort of his ethos, his comic ethos is like, if we can like show the idiocy of Hitler, if we can show the idiocy and the stupidity of white supremacy of Nazism, that that like you that's how you'll take him down. Like you know, like for like as a comparison, like cabaret like you have like that like that is obviously a very incisive piece about the dangers of nazism but nazis have kind of taken tomorrow belongs to me as their sort of like proud anthem almost you could they can't do that with springtime for hitler you're not gonna see like (laughs) nazis proudly singing that song because it makes them look like idiots so that was sort of his in of like how to sort of take down these forces of oppression through comedy and he's and it's kind of and like obviously this is reflected in other works like blazing saddles it's that same thing working with richard pryor on sort of like taking down the idiocy of racism uh yes and and etc etc um but i mean yeah obviously so the what's wild is the producers um is his first film it's his uh very 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 first film uh that he ever made um and i guess i'll kind of ex- uh give a caveat it debuted in pittsburgh in november of 67 but it got its wide release in 1968 so for any film scholar sticklers out there i'll give you that you can take (laughs) that from me um who cares no i i like to be clear i like you know the only people who care about that are the people who make it their personality to always be right and Um, those people love to correct people and they love to say i know or like you know one up and that was me in the eighth grade and then i got over it yeah yeah I think I think that the people who say I know all the time actually don't know jack shit. Oh, sh- absolutely. And the people who say Correct. I don't know are some of the most knowledgeable folks there because they have humility. Mm-hmm. Lol. Oh yeah, actively, act- <laughs> actively, actively curious folk. Um, we love to see it. Um, but yeah, obviously. So from the producers, Mel Brooks would go on to make films like Blazing Saddles, Young Frankenstein, which will be another episode we talk about uh, in the future at some point. Uh, Silent Movie, High Anxiety, History of the World Part 1, uh, Spaceballs, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. His final film to date is 1995's Dracula Dead and Loving It, which I have not seen, uh, but it stars nope. the, the late, great Leslie Nielsen. 
as the one and only Dracula. Um, inspired, I, inspired, really. And it's, I mean, inspired casting <laughs> choice. I bet it's funny. I'm sure. I'm sure there's some fun goof em ups in it. Um, but yeah, I think he sort of. I feel like he became. Later in life, he became sort of this, like, master of the spoof comedy, right? He became known as sort of, like, Young Frankenstein is his horror spoof, and Blazing Saddles is his western spoof. And I suppose the producers is, like, a musical spoof, in a way. Um, sure. I don't know, but it's... I, I, yeah, so, like, I want to I wanna talk about the, the film, because I feel like it is... It, yes, the musical is obviously heavily inspired by the film, but I don't know, there's... Watching it a few days ago, there's some nastiness in the film that is kind of watered down in the musical adaptation. And it's like, it's, it's again, the, the earnestness of the, of the medium, of the genre of musical theater sort of caused them to lighten up these characters a little bit, try and make them a little bit more likable. And it's just, it was really interesting to sort of see the film sort of just leaning into the nastiness of especially Max Bialystok. I Um, had that exact thought. I was just like, I I wanna, like, I, I, Nathan Lane is so charming. And Mm. like, even in his like, kind of nasty, as nasty as Nathan Lane in that role can be, like, when I was watching that opening sequence with, um, Max Bialy's talking the old lady. Yeah, I was just disgusted. I was just and like, it goes Whoa. on for like five minutes, <laughs> way too long. And there's just I love all of the like the opening credits are just like little freeze frames of him like Zero Mustel making like hilarious faces and stuff. But like I don't know, like just I think it's also like a face structure thing where um, Nathan Lane has like more of like a pug like bulldog face, sure. and Zero. <laughs> has this like bigger longer mm-hmm. face with the like big pop eyes bulging and eyes like, yeah ugh, like <laughs> zero mostel also much damper than nathan lane yes, is ever very damp. the dampest actor of the mid-century american yeah. film little do- little jaundice around the eye like i'm yeah i'm just like yeah like gross oh Fucking he's gross. so sweaty so sweaty he's a sweaty motherfucker you're not mm-hmm. wrong um <laughs> But yeah, so like like we said, the film opens with an extended sequence of Max Bialystok canoodling with an old lady in his office. I believe it's Hold Me, Touch Me. It's, this is, he gives these uh, names to these old women. Uh, Hold Me, Touch Me, Lick Me, Kiss Me, Suck Me, and gets cut off in the stage show. Um, comedy. We love rhymes. Um, and then, that yeah, part she, always made me laugh, though, when I was oh, a kid. No, I was just, like, upset. I, I mean, so, no... Uh, Mel Brooks is, like, the master of that Borscht Belt joke. Like, he's just like that. I mean, and I'm a sucker for that kind of comedy. Oh, yeah. And I, like, I always have been. Um, but uh, what, what? And so much of the timing in, in his stuff, uh, I mean, obviously, t- in comedy, timing is everything. But so much of his is, like, follows such a clear line to vaudeville, yeah. which he has talked about, too, and how much of a fan. I think he grew up in New York. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was born um, in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And going to, uh, like, all of the vaudeville theaters as a kid and, like, wanting to do that until he ended up joining the army, you know, and, or maybe getting drafted and uh, going to war. But all of that vaudeville tradition is still so strong, and especially in this one, because I believe Zero Mostel was a vaudeville performer yeah. uh, in his youth. I mean, a few years before this, he was in uh, a funny thing happened on the way to the Forum on Broadway, yes. which, like, 
is like um it, it is practically a Borscht Belt like vaudeville musical. It is like it's yeah. it's very Brooksian in that way. It is it's got that like classic Larry Gelbert Bert Shevelov script that is just like one line is one after the other after the other, and then you have a Sondheim song, and then more jokes and jokes <laughs> and jokes, and then a Sondheim song. It's a weird fucking show that we'll cover on the Patreon when we do the film of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so but then Gene Wilder comes in uh, as uh, uh, Leopold Bloom, uh, and he's uh, yeah. I mean, you, you were uh, Rifka, you were singing his praises earlier, but Gene Wilder, like he is, he is the in for me in this thing. I think he is so maniacal. He is just so like good. it's an absolutely insane performance. No, he like he walked so that. Uh, Mac. Oh my God! Why do I always want to call him Nathan Broderick? Uh, Matthew Broderick could run. Yeah, he walked. Gene Wilder walked so that Matthew Broderick could run. You don't have to get his name correct. It's fine. The whole like the. I mean, I was genuinely shocked because, like, I just my familiarity with it was the the um, Nathan and and Broderick uh, version of it, where. Like I had that opening scene between the two of them, like yeah. pretty much off book, because my sisters and I would like recreate it, and even <laughs> my like baby brother who was a baby when we watched that movie, he was like, what, maybe like three or four when like we first saw that movie, and he would quote it too, <laughs> and like it, it's so funny, but like yeah, and there were parts that like I don't know the like the whole sequence is pretty much word for word from yeah. the oh, yeah. screen to the stage back to the screen. I'm wet. I'm hysterical I- and I'm wet. <laughs> I'm in pain. I'm in pain. <laughs> I'm in pain. I'm but wet. I- and I'm still hysterical. <laughs> I know, so it's like, making these fucking crazy noises. <laughs> and, and also, like, the, you're gonna jump on me. You're gonna jump, you're gonna on, jump, gonna jump on, on me. Squash me like a bug. Don't jump on me. <laughs> I mean, oh, it's, it's, I mean, it's, so good. again, I don't want to get to musical talk too heavily, but I mean, it is, yeah, watching the original, it was kind of like, again, just essentially because the, di- not only was obviously the dialogue is like almost like one for one, but oh, I feel yeah. like even just the intonation, even the performances, mm-hmm. I was just like, obviously like Nathan and Matthew are lovely and talented and like they they do good jobs, but like it was hard not to be like, oh, you're kind of just like pulled right from this film. There was, there, oh, it yeah. seemed so, so like pulled from it. It was, it was, it was interesting. It was fascinating to watch. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I think don't know. The, the thing, the, the thing about like movies that then become, uh, musical like is there are certain lines that are just so iconic from the movie that you can't touch them in the musical they have to be yeah. delivered pretty much the same way like I, f- I found that with I mean not my episode but I found that when I saw School of Rock on Broadway I was like oh like this is a really good Jack Black impression sure. like even though Alex Brightman is fucking amazing and like did put a lot of his own stank on it like th- there was a lot where it was just like okay this is literally Jack Black in a different skin suit you know yeah that, um. and that's, that's the thing we kind of that's the kind of thing we the that we sort of come up against uh every pretty much all the time right it's like how like when adapting source material yeah like sort of like how pressure precious are you gonna be with that original film like when you are bringing stuff like are you gonna like do a, a yeah are you gonna sort of just mirror it completely are you gonna t- put a new spin on it it's 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 tough it's because again it's like I like now, like having seen this film, it's hard for me to not like 
at least seeing like a live production of the producers being like, I want to see a new Max Biala stuck. I want to see a new Leo Bloom. Like, I don't want to see this sort of like copy of the Nathan Lane performance, which is a copy of the Zero Mistel performance. It's this straight. Well, and this yeah. is a this this occasion too is a little different because it's it's old enough the movie and the musical that it doesn't actually have to do that in a way that Mean Girls and Heather's and all these things that are like. People right now are very familiar with the original source material and they want to see the October 3rd line in Mean Girls, you know, whereas like when this came out, of course, Mel Brooks fans were aware of and familiar with the producers of the film, but it's not the same way. I I don't know. It's not it's it's not as it's a very different thing because I can't imagine there was some like. 65-year-old person who loved the producers when it was in the theater who was going to see it on Broadway and was like, this is different, you know, who was going to have that kind of a reaction, who's like, they didn't say October 3rd. He didn't say you're going to jump on me and squish me like a bug, as you would with some of these more pop culture moment, more recent adaptations, if that makes any sense. Absolutely, and I think what's kind of really clear just thinking about the adaptation and, like, I feel like Mel Brooks just always wanted this to be a stage show. Yes. I think that's sort of the clear thing. Yeah, I, I think because, like, like, there's also, like, a musical within the show. Exactly. Like, that was kind of the, like, yeah, the play within the play, which I love a play within a play or a oh, play within yeah. a movie so much. It's always love so it. fun to see. Um, layers. Layers. There's layers. <laughs> like an onion, baby. Yes. Like a cake. You um, you almost got that bit out of me, Bran, and I actively didn't do it. Proud, proud of you. Oh, we love yeah. we love ogres. Um, but yeah, so I yeah, and we'll I, I'm gonna bring this up again when we whenever we get to Young Frankenstein. But yeah, I would say of the Mel Brooks oeuvre, um, I would say this is the one that yeah, like is most obviously like this is a musical. This is a mu- this was a stage show waiting to happen. Um, and, and it happens and we'll, we'll get to that. But yeah, so Max Bialystok is a failed Broadway producer. He fucking sucks. His last show was a flop. He lost like $60,000. Um, and now this accountant, Leo Bloom has come to sort of just like fix his books, clean things up. Um, but yeah, uh, Zero Mostel. Yeah, Zero Mostel is also just like really great, really funny. He's wearing a cardboard belt. He's at the end of his rope. Um, <laughs> it's a, I love that. Um, but then, <laughs> but then, yeah, and yeah, Gene Wilder is just this like manic uh, character. OCD. Yeah, he's got this blue blanket that like brings him comfort. He just like holds it. Holds it like tied up against his face. <laughs> you gotta wonder if this is based on somebody that Mel Brooks I, knew. I be- so there's that like PBS documentary series, uh, Broadway, an Amer- the American Musical, or something. Oh yeah, and I, rem- I distinctly remember from the producers episode. Yeah, I-, I believe it is based on a producer that Mel Brooks knew. That like at the very least was a Broadway producer who would sleep uh, with with older women. Uh, at the okay. at the very least, I don't know who it was, um, but they're probably. Lo- I meant um, uh, the blue blanket oh, and the nervous sure. ticks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, probably. I bloom. I bet. I feel like the best comedy is usually like Stranger Than Fiction, right? It's like just like pulled from real life, and then just like layers are just like added on top of it to create these new sort of characters from whole cloth, like a blanket. But uh, Gene, but Gene <laughs> Wilder, uh, Le- Leo Bloom rather, figures out this scheme because he, he produced this show for, si- for $60,000, but he only spent 58000 of that investment, 
um, so he's able to pocket the 2,000. So what if there was a scheme where they uh, they raised a million dollars for a show, but they didn't spend it all, and if the show was a flop, they wouldn't have to return the rest of that investment. So they're like, that's what we're going to do. We're going to make a Broadway flop. And I love, yeah, I mean, it's, and I love sort of Gene Wilde is just like, no, I, this is no scheme. This is just uh, an, an accounting. A theory. Uh, yeah. It's an observation. Yes. Some accounting theory. Um, but uh, yeah, Zero Mistel comes up with a scheme. Um, uh, Leo Bloom's not convinced. So they, they take a lovely jaunt through Central Park, um, which is great. So they get the finest cuisine from the hot dog carts. Um, they go swimming in a boat in the pond. It's very sweet. Um, and then they end up at the fountain at Lincoln Center. And Leo says, I'll do it. I, I wanna, I wanna, I want it to be like in the movies. I wanna, I wanna be like a character in a movie. And then the fountain just goes off beautifully. Um, it's a lovely shot, which they strangely replicate in the stage show. It's very odd. Like they're, but like they're in Max's office, but a fountain goes off like outside the window. So that was a weird oh. bit of replication. I didn't realize that takes place all in the office in the stage show. In the stage show. show, it's in the office. Yeah. Got it. Well, because yeah, well, skipping to the stage show, stage show, because in the stage show, they change it where Leo Bloom goes back to work. He sings, I want to be a producer, mm -hmm. and that's where he gets the inspiration, rather than uh, Max convincing him uh, through the wonders of Central Park, I guess. I don't and know. hot dogs. Hot dogs. Listen, you take a bite out of one of those street cart hot dogs, you can do it. You'll, you'll, you'll be convinced to do anything. Truly. Yeah, <laughs> in, in L.A., they have these um, Korean cheesy corn dogs that are on a stick, obviously, because they're corn dogs, Ooh. and they're like, they, they, um, they batter them in, like, Flaming hot Cheeto dust. It's like it's extreme. What? It's it's wild. I know. I have I have to take a bunch of lactate and try it someday. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I do amazing. love a corn dog. Yeah, I we we do love a good corn dog. Tube meats, baby. <laughs> tube meat talk. Tube, tube meat. Is that uh, what other tube meats do you like, Bran? Any any sausages? Longanisa. Um, longanisa. Yes, I had Uncle Mike's as a local. <gasps> Filipino Love breakfast spot that's two blocks from my house. What? Uh, we gotta and go. I had that on Friday. What? And oh. I did have Longanisa. Oh my gosh. Once once where I'm able to come down to see your neighborhood, Bran, we gotta go. Mm -hmm. It's very good. It's like a wine cured uh, chorizo. Oh, yeah. This is a little sweet Filipino sausage. I love I'm, I'm, act, I'm actively salivating right now. Mm -hmm. um, Me too. Tube meats. Tube meats. Um, but yeah, so they, but then they find the script. They're trying to find the worst script they can uh, adapt. And they find it. It's a little play called Springtime for Hitler. Uh, uh, a, a, a romp with, uh, Ad, uh, with Ava and Adolf. Uh, I forget the whole name, uh, but it's this wonderful, uh, uh, it's written by uh, Franz Liebkind, uh, played by Kenneth Mars, who gives a wonderful performance, who would later go on and voice uh, King Triton in The Little Mermaid, of all things. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the, the universe is long and wide and weird, um, but yes. Oh, my God. I know, kind of bananas. Um, I do love the woman uh, downstairs who's like, I'm the concierge. Uh, <gasps> I loved her. I, and I yeah. get like, you, you got to cut these characters when you adapt it for the sure. stage. But I love, I love these little sort of just New York slices of life characters that just pop up here and there. 
Yeah. She's a doll. We we lost her, but then we got Shirley Markowitz, the uh, the light <laughs> sound yes. designer in the musical. Gosh. Who is definitely the, the only character in that show that I am qualified to play. I'm about to say we'll 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 get to we'll get to some of the characters in the show. Um but yeah, so they go to Franz Liebkind, he's got his uh his birds, his pigeons, who he tends to so lovingly. Um but, uh, but yeah, so they're like, we want to produce your play. He's excited. And then he takes him to his all white home. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, like, it's, is it interior is just like this, it hot, this, like shabby wooden, uh, all white home. Oh, makes sense for a Nazi uh, to have a home that is painted entirely white. Uh, ain't that something? scary, uh, a little bit terrifying. Uh, but yeah, but it's that they're going to do his play. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be great. Um, he gives them uh, swastikas, which they uh, quickly discard of. They quickly throw away. Um, <laughs> but then they, they, the movie's actually switched around because ne- then he goes to wine and dine his little old ladies. Um, yeah. it's, so this is where he has. Uh, they, they don't show him having sex, but obviously the implication of that is that he is uh, fucking all of these uh, octogenarians. <laughs> Do they do the Siegfried Oath in the movie? I don't remember. I don't they don't do it, but it's I don't mentioned. think so. It's no, mentioned. Yeah. yeah, that's what it is. They just mention it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he he fucks a whole bunch of old ladies. Um, it's great. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets around town. I just I I just found the name of the 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 full play. I just I love it. Springtime for Hitler: A Gay Romp with Adolf and Ava at Burt at Berchtesgaden. Berchtesgaden. Just, uh, and it has its own Wikipedia page. The play has its own Wikipedia page. (laughs) Um, it's also, I gotta say, the the play's already a musical? Like, what happened from page to stage? Because obviously, like, Roger Debris comes in, uh, as the director. But, like, did Mm -hmm. this Nazi already write this, like, wild, like, musical theater Hitler show? Is that what we all led to I think believe? Yes. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he wrote it to show how fun it was to be a Nazi. Sure. <laughs> um, he was wrong. <laughs> France. Um, but yes, he. Uh, I would argue plenty of them are having fun. Well, sure, yes, but at who? But at what cost? Brian? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not saying I want to have that fun. Um, but anyway, but yeah. So then they hire. Okay, so then they hire their assistant, uh, Ula, played by Lee Meredith, um, and I gotta say, and I'm not, like, I'm not excited about, I'm not excited to talk about Ula in the stage version either, but in the film, it's just so much worse, it's just, like, so much more blatantly just, like, a, a like, Oh, she is just an object. Yeah, yeah like she is a full like yeah. she is just an object. She's just there to shake her little pointy titties around yeah. and dance and like yeah, yeah. It's just uh, it's frustrating. It, it's not it's very not good. Not good. Very bad. Don't do it. I would say yeah. I would say like Mel Mel Brooks again. Like he's had in future films, he would have like astonishing female characters like fucking. Uh, Frau Brucher and Young Frankenstein, like pretty much just any time Madeline Kahn shows up in yes. any of his films, is sort of just like comedic genius. But yeah, he, it's it it is very much a boys' club. The Mel Mel Brooks films, which can be a little frustrating, and by a little frustrating, I think it's very frustrating. Um, 
but then yeah, so then they uh and I do like the that yeah, all of the women in this movie are objects, like yeah. for real. Like I mean the little old ladies, all of them, you know, like the um I think the only one who probably isn't like essentially used as a prop is the concierge lady. The concierge. She's got like I knew so much about that woman, like from that one moment and like <laughs> from that yeah. line reading. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It truly but, says um, so much. Do you think that actress that actress genuinely didn't know how to say concierge and <gasps> That was her, or was that a choice? Ma- uh, her name is Madel- sure Madeline. Madeline Chase. I, I would think it's a choice. I, I it would, was it, a yeah. great choice. Yes. Um, and yeah, I'll just say uh, Lee Meredith uh, is the actor who plays uh, Ula. Um, God bless her. Uh, thankless role in the film. Um, and, you know, she did it. And that's, that's that on that. Um, I do like how their office sort of becomes more opulent. Over the course of the film, like you sort of see them yes. um, start to sort of like spend their money and sort of like, and then like by the end of it, it's like, oh shit, we've gone too deep. Um, yet, yeah, like it's no way out, as uh, as Bloom will say no later in the out. film. No way no out. out. Uh, but that's then, me. Yes. <laughs> Anytime I get into a relationship, that's me. No way out. No um, way out. I, <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to dig into the the Roger Debris stuff because uh, it's. I mean, it's only hyped up even more in the stage version. Because um, uh, Roger Debris is uh, played by Christopher Hewitt, um, known uh, for his role as Mister Belvedere on the oh, wow. on the show Mister Mister Belvedere, um, and his uh, living uh, assistant uh, Carmen Gia, uh, played by Andreas Vutsinas, uh <laughs> Who's rocking that beard in this film? Oh, so yes. good! Like, and the tan, the deep dark tan. Oh uh, yeah, I think I think he's referred to as the common law assistant yes. in the play. Yes, which is really funny uh, and cheeky. I didn't know what that meant until I watched the the movie of the musical of the movie today. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, that's cute. That's funny. I guess. Yeah, it's haha. <laughs> and like. Yeah, I don't know. The the Roger Debris stuff for me is the stuff that I'm that I, I question the most of sort of its uh its timeliness. It's sort of like the just the joke of it. It's like, oh get it? Gay people uh can be effeminate. There's comedy there, I suppose. Um Yeah. It's I, I don't know. A it's, man in a dress? I know. Who would have thunk uh-huh. it? Yeah. Um it's 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 an odd it's an odd thing. And again, like every I would say like there, you know, there ha- Christopher Hewitt, especially in the film as Roger Debris, is like ha- it's like playing this role with the absolute most seriousness and the absolute most gravitas. I would say, yeah. but like he, like he is not making a joke out of the character. Um, I don't know. I I always I know I never know I never know where I land on these things. Well, the musical is like a completely different matter. I'm like, oh, that's just like played up to the to the balcony. That is just like. The song's literally called Keep It Get. I don't know. Sure. I guess. I mean, I think for me, most of the comedy in both of the adaptations for me comes from Bloom and uh, Bialystok's reaction to sure. it and existing in the world of what is it like supposed to be like 1948 yeah. or something or 1952 or whatever it is. Um, and uh, 
And I do think a lot of the comedy lies there because in my producer's universe, Carmen Ghia and Roger Elizabeth Debris are behaving exactly like that for the entirety of their lives in their home. You know, sure. and it's just when they're forced to interact with like the normal world that it becomes glaring. You know sure. what I mean? I don't know. Yeah, I can see that. I don't feel like the movie really passes judgment no. on right. their life choices their or life. anything. It's yeah. just their life. They're just and it's, it's huge characters. It's yeah. Bialystok and Bloom that are kind of giving these like looks at each other. It's a lot of like Bloom just being like, <laughs> just big eyes and like gulp like say, yeah. he's wearing a dress yeah. yeah i do i do love the the tiny cramped elevator that they're in that's a very fun <laughs> yeah uh bit um but yeah then yeah we go uh into into auditions i love sort of just the the zoomed in shots that widens out to just like all of the hitler's auditioning uh, it's just <laughs> absolute mass chaos and i love it's it so terrible i love it it's so fucking funny it's just so like satirically situationally funny. We're like, only it's, it's a, it's a good... singing Hitler's dancing Hitler's stage <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. yes. It's just so satirically funny too because it's like you know a, it's not only a comment on like the World War Two of it all, but it's also a comment on like Broadway and like mm-hmm. actors yes. and like the you know the industry as a whole. Where it's just so funny see and like <laughs> one of my great teachers you know she she would always say like in meisner class like somebody's got to play hitler and it's like literally this like scene where it's like 80 just like musical theater guys wanting to play hitler so badly like <laughs> it almost made me want to go like long to go to a dance call which is something i hate i'm good on that i'm gonna not just, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna seeing to a dance call that. i was like oh maybe that'd be fun um, so then we get to, so we get these auditions, we get these silly people, the guy singing Wandering Minstrel, the guy trying to do the little <laughs> wooden boy, uh, all of these are replicated on stage two, we get the guy, uh, trying to sing the Habensieger Herde Deutsche Band, he's cut off, and then I, we, of course, we get what is probably the biggest diversion that is, uh, excised from the stage show, uh, which is this actor comes in, uh, played by Dick Sean. Uh, his, the character is uh, Lorenzo Saint Dubois, or LSD. Get it? Uh, and he's <laughs> it's just this like big old like uh, countercultural like hippie parody. Um, super like which is again it's like which is interesting because right we said that the film takes place in like the the fifties. Um, I'd be willing to bet it takes place when it is like when it when like it came out. Time. Yeah, yeah, like sixty seven. Right, because it's clearly like a yeah, it's clearly like a '60s hippie joke. Like that is sort of like the the sure. the bit that they're going for. But yes, he's just like he's ridiculous and he's silly. He brings in his own band to play. So good, this all song. girls. The band was hot. I was yes. looking at the bassist, like yep, and also the drummer. I had to pause the movie because I was like, is that Natasha Leone? Like the drummer looked exactly fucking. Obviously, it wasn't her. This movie it takes place in '67 before she was born. But I like paused it and I was like that looks exactly like natasha leo <laughs> but yeah i was just like okay good for you having like an all-girl band like that's pretty tight yeah he's a and the he's, song was good was i good really like that song yeah it's mel brooks did not write that song it's the only song in the film that he didn't write um but whatever it's, yeah it's a it's a kick-off song and they're like yeah this hippie is gonna play hitler and it's gonna be fucking stupid um and i don't know, maybe it, it won't backfire of course it won't uh absolutely not um, oh but it does mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh 
and but yeah, so they they cast him. Uh, it's opening night. Springtime for Hitler is opening on Broadway. Uh, Max bribes the New York Times critic. Uh, just openly. He's just like, this is going to be the file nail in the coffin. Uh, and then we get Springtime for Hitler, which is a banger of a song, if I say so yes. myself. It is just like an absolute hoot and a half of a number. Don't be stupid. Be a smarty. Come and join the Nazi party. Um, With a thick Brooklyn accent, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks, yeah, does, Mel Brooks. Mel Brooks dubs that line over. Um, and in the mm-hmm. state and in the stage show, it's all I, at least on Broadway. It was dubbed like with Mel Brooks's voice too, doing that line. No way! Yeah, was, yeah. Like, that's cute. It's, I love it's that. It's super cute because yeah, he would usually like go on to like obviously he would appear in his own films when the time came. But I, I would say like just with this being his debut film, he's probably like I'm, I'm gonna stay out. I'm gonna I'm not gonna like play my hand too. Too strong. Uh, this this and Young Frankenstein are, I think, the only ones he doesn't appear in. Really? Dang. Pretty sure. All right. Maybe, is he is he in the Twelve Chairs? I don't know. Uh, oh, he might not be in the Twelve Chairs. Good movie though. I haven't seen it. I haven't oh, seen that one either. Very good movie, Ben. Yeah, I know. Watch. Well, while we're here, actually, what is what is everyone's favorite Mel Brooks film? I think Blazing Saddles for me. Yeah. I think Blazing Saddles is definitely the best. I I grew up on Spaceballs as like sure. a Star Wars nerd. That was the obvious like entry point for me. Yeah. Uh, I also really like. It is not a good movie, <laughs> but I really like History of the World Part One. Sure. It's very funny. Uh. Uh. Oh my gosh, what is his name? Tap dancer extraordinaire is in it. Uh. Broadway legend. Tommy June. Nope. Oh, good. Man. Gregory Hines. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, Gregory yeah. Hines is in it and he is wonderful in it. And it's like and it's and it's it's a kind of a movie that absolutely doesn't exist anymore, which is <laughs> like uh, eight segments that are only connected because they're part of the history of humanity. Sure. And that's it. And then the movie's over. The last one's like 20 minutes long. You know, it's great. Bananas. Very fun. Weird movie. Um, yeah, I would say Blazing Saddles is probably my favorite. Um, the one that, yeah, similarly, sort of like the one that we grew up on. Um, yeah, it's funny. Funny guy. Mel Brooks, hot take. Funny guy. Makes funny movies. Hot take. Hot take. Um, but yeah, so Springtime for Hitler, good song, funny bit. It's, and it's interesting. So it's interesting because, yeah, this it's so much like played with like the audience reaction to it and that's sort of like playing into the joke of it um i i mean i do love at the very end of the number there's just like the absolutely stunned audience and then there's that one guy who's like yeah and then the audience just like beats the (laughs) shit out of him yeah that's so good i love anything where there's just like a um something happening and then there's a shot of a bunch of people with their mouths just like on the ground like their jaw sure he just dropped like that that always that will never hesitate to make me laugh uh it's very um, yeah i i I love the the overhead shot of them dancing in the swastika formation yes and of course they they bring that to the stage too iconic agree it's so insane (laughs) um i said iconic but it is it is also psychotic Um, like Mel Brooks is twisted for that, and I love it. Yeah, that's good shit. Okay. And yeah, I. So yeah, but then obviously their plan backfires because LSD is ridiculous as Hitler. He's like improving. He's just like so, just like 
He's just he, like, Hail me, Hail, Hail, baby. Yeah, he's just <laughs> like, he's just. Good. I mean, he, you know what? He is. When, when I'm like directing a play, and what I want in an actor is them to be their truest self. Like, I don't want to see them pretend. I want them to be themselves on stage. So, in my estimation, LSD is given a great fucking performance. Um, and the rest of the audience thinks so too, because they start to leave, but then they're like, oh, this guy's, this guy's funny. And so, yeah, so now it's sort of like it There's literally a background actor that goes, he's funny! (laughs) (laughs) Wait, Uh, wait, he's funny! (laughs) uh, But then, yeah, so the plan, the plan. Oh, and I do like the scene with, like, them at the bar, and there's William Hickey as the, like, the drunk bar guy that they're just, like, celebrating with while Act 1 is happening. That's a a cute little moment. And then, yeah, they're, they're like, oh, hide your faces, it's intermission. But then they hear, nope, it is a smash success uh they are and they're ruined because yeah they're so essentially like each of the backers was promised like 50 percent of the show or whatever but like obviously they're not going to get 50 percent of the show because it's going on for years so there's no way out they return to the office it's absolute bedlam it's absolute mayhem um and then Franz, Lie- uh, yeah, Fra- oh, and I do love Franz Liebkin uh, sitting in the audience, uh, and like he's like yelling about how terrible it is, and the audience members like, oh, it's so great, and he's like, you are the audience, I am the author, I outrank you. <laughs> it's a capital line. It's very funny. Um, but then, yeah, so then this is where the plot starts to diverge a little bit uh, from where the stage show goes. Or, yeah, where, where the stage show takes a different direction. So Franz Liebkind is like, what the fuck did you do? That was not my play. You ruined it. I'm going to kill you. And then they're like, no, you got to kill the actors. But then they go to... They go to... You ever the- eat with one? Yeah, yeah. Yes, exactly. Well... Well, uh, and then, but then they go to the theater to blow it up <laughs> inexplicably. Yeah. That is like, well, this is, it's just, it's very goofy. And it's like, again, like that's just where Mel Brooks's head is. It's fine. And you get like a CGI, like something that I could probably put into a PowerPoint presentation today, like special effect of like the theater blowing up and it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's the late 60s. They're doing what they can. They're doing uh, their best with what they got. Yeah. And then I like, so they, they blow up the theater and then you see them in court. And I love Franz Liebkind and like that full body cast. Um, and of course, it's a, it's a, then the foreman, it's a line that's brought to the stage, but I, I like the delivery in the film. We find the defendants incredibly guilty. <laughs> Um, and then they go to prison but then they just they continue their scheme in prison and they're putting up this show called Prisoners of Love and the cycle continues blue skies above what is what is Prisoners of Love about what is that show about I don't know about prisoners nothing good about prisoners of love yeah you can't keep their hearts in jail um but yeah the, the the producers uh a good film that i like that i like a lot um uh peter Se- so yeah it debuted in pittsburgh in november of 1967 and peter sellers wrote like a a full page advertisement in variety being like because I, I think people oh yeah it had a disastrous premiere in pittsburgh in november and they were the studio was gonna shelve it. They were just like, "This oh, is no. yeah." They were like, "This is a, a, no." Just nobody got it. Yeah, they were just like, "No one." It, it was oh, al- no. it was almost like what 
Max and Leo wanted to happen with Springtime for Hitler. <laughs> sure. They were just like they were just like, no, thank you, not for me. Um, but then yeah, Peter Sellers wrote a uh ad in Variety, just being like, this film's hilarious. This film is just like absolutely wonderful. Um, and yeah, it's it's a it's a good time. And so then the studio was like. Okay, well, I guess if the, the the Pink Panther guy thinks it's good, I guess we gotta, I guess we gotta release it. And it it was a hit. It was an unabashed hit. Um, it won an Oscar, and it it was a trailblazer for Mel Brooks's career. I think my other favorite fact about the film launched Gene Wilder's as well. Oh yep. yeah. Oh, it's also gosh. highly. It was also highly controversial because it was only twenty years after, like roughly twenty years after yeah. World yeah. War Two. So I think that's probably why there was that initial like resistance. But like, just like the audience, like kind of reacts in the play Springtime for Hitler to LSD's performance of ridiculous Hitler. Like yeah. I think that's probably like what led it itself to like the brilliance of it, and, yeah. and why people were like, "Oh, it actually feels good to laugh about how stupid the Nazis are." Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I do, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like if today you made a show like Springtime for Osama Bin Laden or something, oh right? It'd be something stupid. Like, I don't, no one getting any ideas. No, no, Bre- no, Brian, you're shooting that down. Okay, Pasek and Paul, Pasek and Paul doing Springtime for Bin Laden. <laughs> Maniacal. I'm Brand, calling Brand, it. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Brand hates it. Brand's walking out. Not into it. Brand is leaving four minutes. Brand's leaving on page four. <laughs> It'd have to be a real villain, you know. Like, <laughs> instead of somebody just installed by the United States government spring, that we got spring, tired of. Springtime for George W. Bush. <laughs> hey, there we go. Now we're thinking. Now we're talking. <laughs> there we go. Um, I do love... Uh, so in Sweden, when they released the film in Sweden, the title literally translated to Springtime for Hitler. And so as a result of its success in Sweden, um, pretty much most of Mel Brooks's films when they were released there had similar titles. So, for example, uh, Blazing Saddles was known as Springtime for the Sheriff. Young, Frankens- Young Frankenstein was <laughs> Springtime for Frankenstein. Space... <laughs> Uh, Spaceballs was springtime for space. Oh my god! What? What? Listen, they took the joke and they ran with it. Jesus, it's very odd. I wonder if this was banned in, in Germany when it first came out. It uh, it was a, le- a lot of swastikas in it. It was allegedly banned in Germany, is what Wikipedia sure. is telling me. Um, I don't know. Got it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's a fun movie. He won the Oscar. Um, it's uh. It's a yeah, it, and his Oscar speech is really funny. I watched it the other day. Um, he's he's very it's very nice. I want to thank the Academy of Arts, Sciences, and Money for this wonderful <laughs> award. Uh, well, I'll just say what's in my heart. Ba bump, ba bump, ba bump. I'd also like to thank Zero Mostel. I'd also like to thank Gene Wilder. I'd also like to thank Gene Wilder. I'd also like to thank Gene Wilder. Thank you very much. He's a, Mel Brooks, he's a nice guy. Give, he's, he's a mensch. A, he's an absolute mensch. And so, almost 40 years later, brought it to the stage. Brought this thing to Why the not? stage. Uh, David Geffen thought it was a great idea. David Geffen was like, you should do this musical. 
Um, and he's like, sure, why the hell not? Um, he originally wanted Jerry Herman to do the, the songs, and Jerry Herman was like, Mel, you write great songs, you fucking do it. I'm not There's already like three in this thing. And, like, man. and I think Jerry Herman was in like full retirement at that mode. He's like, don't br- don't do this. Don't bring me out. You <laughs> I don't I'm not going out of retirement to do this. You do this, Mel. Um yeah, exactly. There's already a bunch of songs in there already. Um, why not uh bring this to the stage yourself? Um the original production was of course directed and choreographed by the Susan Stroman. Um, it's so interesting, uh, I was, like, trying to do research into this, um, I know through MTI, you can get the, the director and choreographer rights to the show, so they'll give mm-hmm. you, like, the exact director's notes and the exact choreography from the Broadway production, and- She does that with a lot of her shows. Yeah, and so I think it's, and I, I forget if it's, like, if it's just an option, or if it's, like, you have to do it. Um, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure entirely because I've, I've, I've seen, I mean, I, I saw it, I saw it on, I saw it in London actually, uh, but it was again, like there was the Stroman production and then I saw like a college production in Pittsburgh and then I saw the Mercury Theatre's production a few years ago and the Mercury diverted a little bit, but like, I remember the, the, I feel like a lot of productions just sort of like take that easy out and just like replicate well, the Broadway I, version. Yeah, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I mean, I feel like it's yeah. so well choreographed and directed that it, it, I mean, yeah, I guess it kind of sucks for, like, a director who, like, wants to have, like, fun and, like, yeah. do their, like, you know, sure. do their thing. But, like, or the choreographer, too. Or even a choreographer, which is the correct way to say that word. Uh, <laughs> I, like, no, I like what you did. I like what you did with it. Mm-hmm. Choreographer. choreographer. I was thinking, I see, that's the thing. It's like, I was taking artistic liberties, and that's what I like to do. Um, so, like, would I direct this show? No. Would I want to play the lesbian uh, uh, sound designer? Y- yeah. Yeah? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that would be a top. Last and least. That's yes. my favorite. Shirley Markowitz. <laughs> keep it gay. Keep it gay. Keep it gay. <laughs> and like, I feel like that last note, I'm, I'm sure the actor is just like, you don't even have to sing it in tune. Just like fucking just like hit as low a note as you can and just roll with it. I hope it's in the score. It's like a half step wrong. Yeah. I hope that that's how it's written. <laughs> Um, but so yeah, so let's let's talk about this musical uh, a little bit more because yeah, it really is for the most part like it really is just like Mel's taking his book. Yeah, and he obviously he collaborated. Copy paste. It is a big copy paste job, but again, like like Rivka, like you said, if it ain't broke, don't don't change it. Um, Absolutely, it's clearly the philosophy he approached this. <laughs> which, if you've got an Oscar-winning screenplay and it's why not? It doesn't change really until the end of the second act. Exactly. I mean, there's some stuff switched, but but I mean, yeah. hey, it, like, we added full songs based on one line in the original. Like when you got it, flaunt it, just like which in the movie actually it just made happens. really yeah. no sense. And then yeah. in the play, it becomes Ula's song, and Ula, yeah. even though she's still kind of this like you know she's still an object, object. i think in my sure. opinion but yeah there's this like, she's like her... i wrote this whole song in the last 10 minutes yeah <laughs> which is really funny a funny um uh, archetypal or thing of like that kind of slapsticky vaudeville humor where it's mm-hmm. just like 
And this all happened in one day. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, no, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, in, in reference to the script as well, you know, when you got it, flaunt it. When you got this mm-hmm. uh, Oscar-winning screenplay, fucking just, like, bring it right to the stage. He did yeah. collaborate, as I mentioned before, with Thomas Meehan, who, yeah, as we, he came yes. up uh, in our Hairspray episode, yeah, he's kind of just, like, uh, he's he is kind of like a a show doctor i feel in a way like he is the ki- he is the guy to come in as a collaborator to be like well this would probably work better here and structurally this would be and so yeah i think he was probably like he's a fixer he's a fixer he's so like yeah he just collab and he collaborates with mel on uh, young frankenstein as well so clearly sure. it's a it's a good relationship and it's just he does, and mel does pretty much the same philosophy on that show mm-hmm, too for better or worse pretty straightforward. which will yeah. which we'll get into yep. on that show um but yeah Some- but I, I, but I do like a lot of the obviously there's more room for more gags and just more embellishment so yeah so for example mm-hmm. uh his I, his most recent flop is of course a musical version of hamlet called funny boy um <laughs> which i like and yeah i like like again there's like so much more borscht belt humor because yeah you're adapting a 90 minute movie into a two and a half hour musical like there's just so much more that they're able to throw in here um it's the reviews come out sooner as once they leave it into mission yeah it's like it's there's some good shit um mm-hmm. he yeah so you get opening nights fun song i mean yeah I, I, also, I would say like compositionally and lyrically as well most of these songs are pretty good i mean i feel like they're and this, i don't say this in a in a mean way i think they're very simple but that makes them very catchy i think that's mm-hmm. sort of they have a very sort of simple melodic simple compositional structure that i think just makes them really catchy really makes real earworms out of these numbers and they feel like golden age yeah. broadway musicals and then of course in the stage show more so than in the movie it's explicitly setting it in that golden age of Broadway yeah. too. So it sounds contemporary to that. Yeah, Cause, really cause like he's that. supposed to be like a Ziegfeld character. I like the, yeah. I went to the Bialy who's of 1940 something, <laughs> which is just, uh, I like, yeah, but uh, yeah. And then he used to be the King, the King of old Broadway. Um, mm-hmm. It's a good time. Yeah. I, I and yeah, I like the. It's, there's clearly some like fiddlers, and I like they they throw in the "It's good to be the king" line. They give it to that nice uh, sure. blind violinist. Um, but then yeah, once we get to the office, we sort of like, we have this prologue introducing Max and his world of failure. But then we get to the office, and it's pretty much replicating uh, what we saw in the film. Um, again, like it's good. Fucking just keep it, keep it going. And then we get, we can do it. Um, it's Max pumping up Leo to do this. And yeah, like we said, um, he's not convinced. He goes back to his office, uh, back at his desk. Um, there's that weird fucking like showboat reference. You have the black accountant who sings that uh, like sort of like old man river style parts in the unhappy. I'm like, okay. Oh, yeah. you got, you, I fucking you have, forgot. You have you have no. one black ensemble member and you're gonna and and it happens later. There's the black Irish joke as well. It's like, oh yeah. great, you're gonna like pin these like racial jokes on the one like person of color in your ensemble. Uh, they do great... that in um, something rotten too. They have like one uh, woman of color ensemble member that comes out dressed as an egg and sings, and I am telling yeah. you, I'm not oh gonna gosh. be an omelet. Just like fucking it. really, just really hammer home how much you don't like people of color. Jesus Christ. Um, it's always like, a oh, you're telling on yourself moment mm-hmm. whenever that kind of a thing happens. 
yeah, it's uh, gross. Not not a fan. Also, I will say so. Yeah. So then, uh, Bloom sings. He has his fantasy. I want to be a producer. Um, great song. Great, great oh, yeah. song. And yeah, again, just that like simple melody, like da 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 da. da. It's just like it's an ear, it's an instant earworm. Also, Matthew Broderick's voice is just so like, uh, like, I, I mean, obviously, like we saw him in Ferris Bueller being this like charming, like cool guy. Mm-hmm. And then I think it's like once he showed that he could be ridiculous and like Inspector Gadget, people were like, OK, let's use him more. And like he I, that's another one. Of I, them, like, I love Rivka. I uh, love- his, his career pivot of Inspector Gadget. I love that. His that's career, your co- it, that's your marker. I'm, I I love that. I well, that was my first experience with him because I was too young for for Ferris Bueller. I watched Ferris Bueller like years after I had watched yeah. Inspector Gadget. That was my first time seeing Matthew Broderick was in Inspector Gadget. And I was just like, wow, like he is a comedic, like physical actor. And that is like, that was my <laughs> first like, you know, oh, that's a that's a character actor, character actor, Matt. And then seeing Ferris Bueller, I was like, oh, he's like sexy. Like yeah. he's like a cool, like suave guy. Have you, and yeah. then going back to seeing him in the, the, the Broadway producers, I was just like, that's. Ferris Bueller and Inspector Gadget. <laughs> have you seen Ele- Rivka, Have you seen Election? Yes, yes. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. yeah. That is a highly uh, bad, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. My oh, mom made great. me watch that because I um, I used a monologue from it when I was a child actor. Oh wow! Uh, and so she made me watch it, and I did not. I knew I was like, "There's something really wrong with this movie." Um, but yes, yes, yes. I, for, I had forgotten about the yeah that because he's. He's kind of devious in that. Like that's so it's like yeah. sort of like the, the darker Trickster. side of Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah. But the um, darker side of Matthew Broderick. I, oh I my think, god. Yeah. I think maybe my favorite contemporary uh performance of his uh is uh Kuda Burger on 30 Rock. Um, I I never really got into 30 Rock. Oh man, it's he's he's uh he's like this government official who's whose name isn't actually Kuda Burger. That's just what George W. Bush nicknamed him, so that's the name he stuck with. And he's just like this pathetic, like lowly like office worker for the for I the US that. government. Um I love him so much. He's just so he's so good in this in he the is. He, He's wonderful. And- his little like yeah he's got a little warble to his voice that's just very like charming and cute yeah. to me. um i love the unhappy the, that that song plays in oh, my head the, when i'm like yeah, at the, my the, at my mm-hmm. like muggle like retail job i'm just like unhappy <laughs> unhappy very 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 yeah but i will i will say it's you know, it's it's it was interesting to watch and and listen to this musical about a person wanting to be a producer, uh, and all about objectifying women and pinching their asses. And I was like, oh yeah, that is kind of the the idealized uh, vision of what a Broadway producer looks like. Yep. yep yikes. Yep, yep. What can I there's... say? But yikes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not mm-hmm. a fan of that. Um. Yikes. But yes. Yeah. But yeah, so he sings this song, he quits being an accountant, and he goes back to Max Bialystok's office, and it's like, we can do it. And there, and then, yeah, we sort of, like, go back onto the track of the, the movie. Um, I do like they sort of set up this device of the hats, the Broadway producer's hats. And he's, he so wants to wear the hats, and Max is like, no, you, you can't wear this producer's hat until you've produced a show on Broadway. Um... We go to uh, Franz Liebkind, who in most productions is joined by this beautiful chorus of puppet pigeons. 
I mean, so I, list, I love me a good puppet, and I like at the I end of... I <laughs> love an animal puppet. I love little pigeon noises. I love when the chorus... Yes, the chorus of singing pigeons is, is beautiful. It's oh, good. Franz. He's, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, of, and some we, of the best comedy in the, in the stage production is in that scene with, you know, with Adolf Elizabeth Hitler. Yes, he's a, <laughs> yes, a descendant of, of British queens. Yeah. Um, but, and, I, and I don't want to say too much about the film right now because we're going to record a whole Patreon episode about it. But I will say Will Ferrell as Franz Liebkind is maybe my favorite part of the oh, film. So good. Inspired yeah. casting. I mean, the height difference is like yes. mainly yes. what I love about that. But yes, so good. Um, but, but I love yeah. the... Is this bit in the musical? I mean, I, it's been since two thousand three since I saw it on. on sure. Stage. Um, the um, the punishment for breaking the Siegfried oath is death. Yes. Yeah. Death. Is that like yes. death? Is anything like death? <laughs> but yes. worse. Yes. Um, yes. That is that is still in the in the. Yeah, I feel like they don't change much for the the film adaptation uh, no, from, from stage to film. Um, but yeah, so I, I like the puppet pigeons. I like they have the little fucking uh, pigeon swastikas at the end. Um, <laughs> they sing the Guten Tag Hup Club. They do, they do, they do the Siegfried Oath. Um, never, never, never with a middle finger. It's very yes. funny. Um, good, good physical bits. Good physical bits. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love there's like the thing where he's like, oh, you know, they never say a bad thing about Winston Churchill. And I'm like, Churchill. I'm like, ah. but, then, but like today, like when I watched it, I was like, yeah, you're right, Franz. They didn't say a bad thing about Winston Churchill. I they, agree. They should have. <laughs> Imperialist Scum. bastards. Um, but then, yeah, so we get that number. It's very fun. And then we go to the Roger Debris stuff. And then the just the we gay stereotypes. Yeah. They, That's they, who I would want to, if I were I would say, you'd asked, be a great, like, you'd be a yes. great Carmen Gia. I oh would my love gosh. to play Carmen Gia. I am Carmen Gia. That drama. <laughs> just the, like the moment you we were hot. meet. He was drunk. You got lucky. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's, I was, I was letting you hold. I was going to let you hold that out for as long as you wanted to. The rest of the, I would have held it out longer, but I think the point was made. Um, <laughs> um, and also, was that Roger Bart originally yeah, on Broadway as well? Who voiced yeah. singing oh, Hercules, the Hell singing yeah. voice of Hercules. Weird. Well, it's so funny because Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, of course, were both in The Lion King. Oh wow! Yeah, Nathan Lane was Timon, and, and Matthew Broderick was Simba. Yeah. That's wild. I had never thought of that. I'm Matthew blowing, Broderick was Simba? I am blowing yeah, minds today. Simba. I'm blowing minds today. I who love it. I think it was? I don't know. Well, it's JTT as a kid. That's Jonathan Taylor Thomas as a kid. Wait, and then so... when he's sexy adult lion, it's Matthew Broderick. That's why. Yeah. I had a crush on adult Simba when I was a kid. Is that bad? No, He's got good hair and like nice shoulders. Rivka, I'm not gonna judge. <laughs> Rivka, I'm not gonna judge you for being attracted to an animated lion. That's fine. I'm just laughing, and I really was trying not to pound my table. Because Thank you. <laughs> just saying, a lion has hot shoulders. He I does. Just, He's got like those. They're like they're poking through his like blades. You are know, those you the see shoulder? Them. Is that 
Is that the sure. thing? Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think so. Well, none of us are lion uh, biologists Ologists? on this. Uh, yeah, we were just for the listeners at home, we were all trying to attempt the lion shoulders, failing miserably. Of, of Destiny's Child when they're just high as fuck and somebody's like, if you were an animal, what would you be? And Michelle Williams is just like, I would be a black panther. Because no. <laughs> when they walk, they move like this. Mm-hmm. And I, they step better than I do. That's how all of us were doing. The, we were doing the shoulders. Um, oh anyway, that's a great video. <laughs> But yeah, so then uh, yeah, so we get keep it gay. The gay stereotypes are just ratcheted up to the uh, the so nth good. degree. Literally, um, the village people oh come God, out. Literally, of the, the village people. We also, I think this was in the original movie too. But that line where it's like, well, then why don't you go get it, oh wicked witch of the west? Of the west. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that that whole relationship is great. I love it. It's real fun. Uh, yeah, and the the late great Gary Beach, who won the Tony Award for Supporting oh, Actor, that's right. He, he did die. He did pass away. Yeah, like two oh, years ago. Sad. Yeah, he's ah, uh, he is. I mean, and he replicates his performance in the film. Uh, so good. So again, like I think that's the key to to the these roles, right? It's just like I mean, that's the key to most comedy, right? It's just taking it with the utmost seriousness. Yes. Um, and I think that's sort of the key to. The, the comedy, even when it becomes ridiculously flamboyant um, in the best. That's my dream role in this show is, is Roger, Elizabeth, Roger Elizabeth Debris. Honestly, I, I'd love to be Max. I mean, I'd love to be Max or Leo, but yeah, Roger Debris is just, uh, I mean, so especially, fine. yeah, it'd be the, the yeah, especially act two shit with playing yeah. Hitler. Ugh, maniacal. Um, and then, but so yeah, we get that number, keep it gay. Uh, it's pretty fun, pretty silly. The, liter- the literal village people come in. Um, he agrees to do it. His middle name is Elizabeth. It's a fun, silly running gag you get. Um, yes. And then Ula comes in, who just is still just like this fucking object. But she's funnier, and she, she gets to she have is actually funnier. Fun. Yeah. Ula Inga Hansen Bedensansens Fansen. Yes, that is. Yeah, that was my first name. Do you want to hear my last name? No, but then yeah, we don't have the time. Yeah, yeah, that's just the abject horniness is just brought out so much more. She sings when you got it, flaunt it, and of course, there's the even though we're sitting down, we're giving you a standing ovation. Um, (laughs) Sure, very Uh, good. Whatever. Um, Yeah, she's literally introduced in the original movie as a toy. I got us a toy. Sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah. No, she's definitely more of a human again like the ball was very low for this character already um but yeah and it's like it sucks is obviously like there's this they there's this love story where like she falls in love with leo but like like they fall in love because it's a broadway musical like that's sort of like there's a like they fall in love because they are just i mean yeah people fall in love because they're attracted to each other but that's kind of like it's in this show you know uh, i do love the sting whenever uh he's like nothing can come between us and the door opens and yeah whenever she's standing there yes. yeah very good um but and then so then after this is when we get to a uh, little old lady land where um he goes to fuck all the old women and i mean yeah the 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 zimmer frame like choreography with the old women and their walkers like that's absolutely iconic it's just oh, a I love the mass- tap dancing walker that's choreo. that i mean that's susan stroman just like at her like at her most like creatively yes. inventive i would say she loves choreographing a thing with with making you hold an she object lo- she like, loves she prop- loves that she shit. loves prop choreo um yes yeah, and and I, I would I would say 
I don't want to talk about production stuff because we are mainly an adaptation podcast but also like again like we sort of mentioned before i feel like when you see a production it is usually so indebted to the stroman production that it's kind mm-hmm. of inescapable to to avoid talking about it but yeah that that walker choreography is so is so fun and so silly and then we get our act one finale which bran this is your favorite kind of song it's the song where everything Lots of happens stuff happening. yeah Woo-hoo. this is bran's absolute favorite kind of song where we got to come up with a term for this <laughs> like a plot advancement montage song but something better than that you love it i was i was thinking i was thinking about you the whole time when that song was happening i was like bran loves this shit <laughs> Um, but it is also I'm trying to think of other hell. examples of this. Like, well, like we, one, we don't... One, one day more is like the example. Oh, sure, one day more yes. is a big one. I'm trying to think because in, in your musical... town has like three. Yeah, where, in like, musical the finale, improv. In musical improv at Second City, we had a name for this kind of number where it's a bunch of characters and their narratives are all kind of coming out and together yeah. and to tie the the first act in a nice little bow. I think it was just like narrative something anyway narrative fugue is sure. the, the term oh, we call okay it. yeah that's um, great yeah because we do that's, that's we, a yeah. high favorite, way to say I, it. I don't know i really like my favorite kind of like act one closer is where it's like like so much better from Lily blonde where it's sure. just like one ca- but that's also like the main character is the main character of the show like sure. <laughs> you know um or like a little priest where it's just like oh uh, sure, sure. it's just like it's like so delicious oh my god yeah. literally we, we ha, just ha, ha. we just we just recorded <laughs> <laughs> we just as we, we we just recorded like our sweeney todd episode where Fuck, we talked about I wish, the movie oh, damn. Um, i wish i would have known that movie's wild tim burton uh, tim burton uh, what a guy. Um, <laughs> Tune in. <laughs> yeah, subscribe to Patreon and find out what we think about that weird movie. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, but I will say, maybe uh, it's a smart musical, just like in, but I would say, like, the smartest thing about the construction of this musical is that they save springtime for Hitler for the second act. Because, yeah. like, that, you build it up to this thing of, That's like, the money oh, shot. Mm-hmm. That's literally the money shot. Like, the, you know, in, in writing and whatever we talk about, like, what's the money shot? And, like, thinking of, like, uh, you know, TV episodes. Like, what's the money shot of the pilot yeah. episode that's going to, like, make this person hit watch next? Yeah. And I feel like going into this musical, it's like, you know you're going to get springtime for Hitler eventually. Um, but putting it in the second act is, like... So necessary. It's just like yeah. a guarant. It's like a guaranteed. Like, well, what's gonna happen next? Like, oh, I yeah. can't wait to see that thing. Um, because like, I feel like a a lesser adapter, a lesser writer would be like, well, you gotta end the act with it. Like in some yes. in some weird way, you'd like finagle it in some weird way where that would be your act one closer. But it's like, no, you gotta keep them. You gotta keep them on the edge of their seats and bring them into bring them into yeah. act two. <laughs> Um, Act two opens where Ula has uh, tidy ooped and painted the whole office <laughs> white. Um, I will, it's fucking ridiculous. Um, and I, yeah, I, I do like the med. There's a few like meta jokes that happen where she, where they're like, intermission. Yeah, when did you paint it? Intermission. Uh, uh, like uh, Leo, like <laughs> Leo gets embarrassed and Ula's like, why Bloom go so far stage right? Uh, so good. So good. <laughs> it's I remember fun. being like, my. <laughs> I just that was like the one line that like continually made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> like thinking about the play for the rest of the night after I saw it. But yeah, no, it's 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 a it's a fun time. Uh they sing that face, which is I don't know, maybe the weakest song in the show. It's it's not my 
fit. The weakest like full song, yeah. yeah probably. I don't know. It's it's fine. It, it's fine. It does what it has to do. It is. Uh, I, yeah, Mel Brooks. I don't know if love songs are Mel Brooks's forte. Um, yeah. It, you know, it's weird. It kind of sounds a lot like the high anxiety tune. I feel like they're not that high far removed from anxiety. <laughs> sure, I can see that. Not that far removed. That's um, the one song that I don't remember from the the production. That face. It's like I know. I, I like. That's like, what I'm saying. Dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, very, that's Rivka. That's, yeah. all that's all you, it is. That's all you need to know. Uh, mm-hmm. But then, uh, yes, yeah, so then we get to the auditions. Um, but yeah, so this is where we get our real first. So yeah, because I guess I'm like, I was thinking about this sort of like why they made the change they did. I guess they were like, you know, the LSD stuff uh, is such a, it's such a 60s pastiche, I suppose. Yeah. It really sort of like pins it in when the film came out. And, and yeah, I guess, and because they're sort of like resetting it back in the golden age of Broadway, they were like, oh, okay, well, what? So, I, I mean, I, and I think the, they made the choice for the better. So they have the auditions for Hitler. Uh, Franz Liebkind sings Habensieger Hurt to Das Deutsche Band beautifully, fucking knocks it out of the park. And they're like, well, there's our Hitler. And pr- and I will say it probably would have worked because he does take the role so seriously. It probably, yeah. he probably, it probably would have helped with the show. It probably would have been scary. Yeah. It, pr- it probably <laughs> would have been a surefire Floppiana if Franz was the Hitler. <laughs> Floppiana! Flappiana. Um, but yeah, we get to opening night. They sing uh, You Never Say Good Luck on Opening Night. Cute song. I think that choice, the, the aforementioned choice too, is smart because like it eliminates if you have if you have that other character in yeah, a show, it's, especially it's another yeah. actor, and then you're gonna feel the need to give this person another song because you want some name in this role, yeah. and it sort of just spirals instead of like keeping it to like basically five main characters. Yeah, say, yeah, especially adding a new character in the second act, it's yeah. like yeah, it, it's the economy of characters starts to get out of control. You're absolutely right. Um, but then, yeah, they wish, uh, they wish Franz Liebkind, uh, to break a leg. <laughs> he breaks his leg. I, I broke mean, my leg! I broke my leg! Uh, easy, easy joke. Easy. Pretty funny, Listen, though. it's easy, they fuck it, but they, they hit it. It's a fucking... Yeah. <laughs> not get out of the park and, and it's I, funny it's funny yeah. he can't deny the humor of it all and but if then, anyone is like i don't think that kind of humor is funny it's like do you experience joy like <laughs> no, is the answer they do not <laughs> that's not um, really my style of humor i was like well you're either okay. not jewish or you just like hate your life or both <laughs> But then, yeah, so then Roger Debris is like, oh, yeah, Roger knows all the words. He can do it. So they throw him in the Hitler suit and he goes on. And I I really love because obviously, like, you can't replicate like you are the audience for the springtime for Hitler. So I do kind of love that. Essentially, the number has to win you over for the success of the musical right it like you have to be the audience that is like this is brilliant this is a masterwork of a number and then like and of course you go to the next scene and you're like oh of course the show is a hit i loved it it kind of it kind of makes the audience complicit in the downfall of these characters in a weird meta way that i'm probably giving the show a little too much credit for but no i don't think so i think that's all i think that's all deserved credit yeah it's like yeah it's like because yeah, like you can't replicate. I mean, you. I'm sure you could, but like it would be tricky to like replicate like the audience leaving and sort of like the stunned yeah. reaction of it all. But yeah, it is just a whirlwind number of just like and yeah, but the immediate just like 
Roger Debris as Hitler doing the Heil, going into sort of just the, the limperist <laughs> pose. Just so like so good. It's so funny. <laughs> and then we get the like Judy Garland moment on like the Heil. Yeah. Oh, I love it. German. Uh, it's like about to yeah. cry. Ethel so Mormon, don't you know? Oh, oh. oh my god, that was spot on. <laughs> yes. I've 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 listened to this song a lot Ethel of Mermin. times. Uh. Don't you know? Don't you know? <laughs> um, crossing borders, the new Lord. I, I mean, I think it's still the it's best song in the show. It's even the, yeah. like the expanded version. Like it's just like so funny. It's so well structured. It's just like expertly. Or producers, maybe. But I want to be a producer. Like those are the only two. Yeah, I think. But it's just absolutely. I just I masterful. love Keep It Gay. To be honest. Yeah. Yes, it's very fun. It's true. Absolutely. There's some bangers. There's some fun bangers. The harmonies, in this thing. the specifically like the harmonies in Keep It Gay, like really give me like a music boner where I'm just sure. like ooh, like <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's the noise that I make when I actually am aroused. I'm like ooh, ooh. Like you're like a, a ghost. You're, you're, yeah. a sec- you're a sexy uh, aroused ghost. We love it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. I will always say that like a part of my gender is moaning myrtle so yeah definitely there you go definitely. also good shoulders ghosts great shoulders great shoulders what the fuck are you know. talking about because under those sheets that's like oh, one of the only things sure. you can see you know oh, there's just sure. the head or okay shoulders. i get where your head's at brand great um but yeah so we we cut right back to uh the office there's a big congratulations sign and i do love so yeah in uh that face uh, Bloom gets rid of his blankets and then like right off to springtime for Hitler he rushes into the office and digs through the trash and gets the blanket and falls right on the floor again no way out um but then yeah pretty and then pretty much so then yeah so it goes on uh Franz Liebkin comes in uh furious they've broken the Siegfried oath um, he breaks his other leg. Uh, but then, but then, yeah, these these Irish cops come in. Uh, yeah, li- yeah. <laughs> fucking Irish cops. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, oh, hey, look at these books. What is this? What does this one say? Show to the IRS. What does this one say? Don't show, Don't show, show to, to the, the IRS. IRS. Yes. Um, so they, ar- they arrest Max. Uh, Leo, like, was hiding. He was, like, hung up on a coat behind the door. Uh, Ula comes back and they're like, you know, we could, you could turn yourself in or we could go to Rio. And so they go <laughs> to Rio um, and then we cut to jail um, and Max gets a postcard from Rio. I don't, I don't know. I, the, the time frame is strange in this part. I don't know how much time has elapsed. Uh, I don't know how long Max has been in jail for, but whatever. Um, I guess the whole trial happens, right? I guess the duration of however long this trial sure. that Max is on for. Um, and he sings. No, I be- think he's waiting for trial in jail. Gotcha. Yeah. But then, yeah, he sings Betrayed, which I also think is a very I fun song. I think that's my favorite. Because yeah. we get the little it's recap. So we get the little yeah, recap. I, I, we get the part where he hits his oh, head yeah. and he's like. And there's mama on the porch <laughs> with the dog. Alvin. <laughs> Wait a minute. My name's not Alvin. I grew up in Brooklyn. <laughs> so like fucking. See, Leo's see, taking everything. everything. He, Even my past. He grew up in the Bronx, to be clear. But yes. Bro- thank you. Thank you. I just I grew up in the Bronx. No Bronx erasure on this podcast. Sorry, um, sorry. <laughs> being stupid. Um, but I do. I also I do love that. Uh, 
Uh, I do like to know, there's got to be a name for it as well, where just like a character just like recaps everything. Uh, it's just, I'm a sucker. Yeah. I'm a sucker yeah, we for that. Yeah, the kind character of recap. <laughs> Sure. What that's... would be other examples of a character recap number? There's a, I, will, I don't have a character recap number. There's a bit in a film that I don't think is great, but Frozen 2, uh, Olaf does a, a recap of the first Frozen, and it is pretty yes. funny. Um, yes. Whatever. But yes, but I do love uh, Max's. I'm trying uh, to think if there's others, because there, I feel like there is, into, into the Woods, there isn't there? No. Maybe. I don't know. Um, I love that trope, But though. yes, I, I do love the, the along came the alley intermission, and then the actor can just, like, take their time and just hang out doing nothing. Uh, it's a good bit. Um, but then, yeah, we get to the trial. Um, Leo comes back. He comes back from uh, from Rio. Leo comes back from Rio because uh, he realizes that Max was his friend, even though he's a despicable, selfish you. Oh, yeah, and he does in the film. He does give this speech where he's like, "This Max Bialystuck is one of the most selfish people I know, but he is. Uh, he's a great friend." Um, and he he essentially gives that speech in the show, but it is a song called "Till Him," which is also a fine song. Again, I like it's that. A sweet, I, it. It's a sweet it's little, a sweet little song. good Matthew Broderick representation yes. of his sweet little voice, mm-hmm. his warbly pigeon-sounding voice, <laughs> and. <laughs> It's I, so I, cute. I do like the the jury, or not the jury, but just like the audience of old the ladies, old lady, the old ladies yeah. who provide like the backup chorus. Ah, ah, <laughs> so good. And then they, and then uh, Max is like, "Don't help me, <laughs> please." <laughs> but then yeah, but but the judge doesn't give a shit about their song. Uh, he sentences them to uh, prison. And but then yeah, they get their scheme, they get their prisoners of love, but then they get pardoned for spreading so much love and joy in prison. They get released, whatever, <laughs> like classic musical comedy ending. They're just released from prison because they made a musical in jail, whatever. <laughs> prisoners of love. Pris- hey, prisoners of love, blue skies above. You can't keep their hearts in jail. Nope. You can't. Um. But yeah, so they get released and they get, and then there's like the fun, like there's all the neon signs of like the shows that they're going to produce. Um, it's a cute bit. And then Leo finally gets his hat. He finally gets his Broadway producer hat. Which made me cry when I saw it. <laughs> it's, listen, he, it's a character fulfilling their dream. I love it. We love to see it. <laughs> Um, we didn't really touch on this. Is that in the is that in the old movie? I don't no, even remember. The producer's no, hat. that's just a yeah, that's just, right. just a, a MacGuffin yes. for the musical. A I think it's good. Item, you know, classic Broadway yeah. musical magical item, right? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think it's good. It's a really nice visual signifier. And then when they put them on at the end, oh, it's, like, it's a classic it's image. It it's is, literally yeah, the poster. It is a classic image of the show. Yeah. What um, are some of the? Can you remind me what some of the names of the future shows that they go on to do? Oh are? my gosh! I know oh, there's I just know. Mame. Mame spelled M A I M is yeah. probably my favorite of them. What are some of the other ones? Do we know? We uh, I think ca- was cats too. One of them. Well, it was cats <laughs> spelled. No, it was cats spelled. No, K- cats with a K. Yeah, K A T Z. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> I know it's very funny. Um, no, I just searched the producer's neon signs, and it's just getting me a bunch of random neon signs on Google. I know. I this wish... isn't helpful. Maybe it's producer's ending shot or ending yeah. stage picture. Uh, anyway, I, I love I uh I thought I love it so much. It's very funny. Um 
but uh, oh, I found yeah. So we got uh, cats. We got uh, South Passaic. Uh, South Passaic. Pa- the uh, death of a salesman on ice. Uh, <laughs> she sh- she stooped to conquer. She stooped to uh, conquer. High button Jews, of course. <laughs> Instead of high button shoes. High button trousers. High button oh, shoes. Yeah. A streetcar named Murray. <laughs> <laughs> Um, forty seventh Street, uh, and sure. and Funny Boy too. They're going back to the Funny Boy. Uh, well, why not? Um, the pro- yeah. So the producers listen. And again, like I knew of the, I saw the musical. I, I, I feel it sounds like all of us saw the musical before we saw the original, sixties uh, film. It's mm-hmm. again just because it so perfectly replicates the film. It stands on its own really well. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a whatever. It's I'm I'm a cla- I'm a sucker for that classic Borschtbelt style of comedy. I love these gags. I love these bits. I hate how non, how non character, how much of a non character Ula is. That's all of like my biggest gripe about this show. It's kind of sure. just like really terrible to its female characters. Um, but I, like that's really my only sort of like grand criticism of the thing. I think it's just like a a banger of a thing. It still holds the record. For the most Tony Award wins for a musical, wow! It won. It won. I mean, so that's the thing. The show was a juggernaut. The show was an absolute juggernaut from jump. Uh, It like broke the the like the single day record for like ticket sales. Like it made like yeah, cool. Um, it. I mean, was it the first day they were on sale when it was like a Susan Stroman directed (laughs) Mel Brooks musical with Nathan Lane and Matthew Matthew Broderick Broderick and Nathan Lane? I mean, yeah, it's just. I mean, it had this like very famous uh, Chicago tryouts that apparently was like one. It was like Mm -hmm. uh, historic, um, being like this like masterclass tryout for a show. But I mean, the I mean, the thing about the producers is it is a great show, but it is also like one of the first shows that like upped its premium ticket price to like, like it really was one of the first shows that really started to push Broadway ticket prices up into the like $100, $120, $140 Mm -hmm. range. So yeah. What else was on? What was like, like what was the big winners the year before this? Cause like Susan Stroman was on, was this was like the start of her crazy run, but she had done crazy for you <laughs> sure. recently before this. Um, and it has a lot of the same like feelings of choreography and it's, it's that Ken Ludwig book. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He wrote the book and then it's, it's like all the Gershwin tunes yeah, yeah. from girl crazy. Yeah, well, that was and from stuff. Like, yeah. That was from like the early nineties. Um, so it's, it's interesting. Is it that much older? Yeah. Wow. Um, but yeah, uh, but yeah, because the producers, I'll say the other nominees this year uh, were future uh, movie, the musical episode, uh, The Full Monty was a nominee, mm. fellow nominee this year. Uh, the musical version of Jane Eyre that everyone loves. Um, what if Jane Eyre was a musical? Um, and A Class Act, which is a musical about the late uh, composer Ed Kleban, uh, who wrote, uh, he's the lyricist for Chorus Line. Okay. Uh, it's a musical about his life. It's a lovely musical. It's actually a very sweet show. Um, the year before this, or actually, the year before this was another Susan Stroman project. It was a uh, con- contact. Yeah, contact. Yeah. Oh yeah. Her, her dance. Her dance show with John Whiteman at Lincoln uh, at Lincoln Center. Um, so that was the big musical winner before this. So she was. She had two shows that were very different. Very different shows. Very, very different shows. And you know what? Matthew and Nathan hosted the the Tonys the year that Producers was nominated for all of that. 
but not that that is a fucking baller move to ask the stars Seriously. of your musical to host the Tonys that year. Um so they were probably both up for awards. They yeah, both were yeah. up for awards and Nathan Lane. Nathan won. I I can only accept this on behalf of the two of us, and not just because I worship and adore Matthew, but because we are very much a team, and believe me, without him I'm nothing. Um you can hold this and uh and later, if, you'll, if you're good, we'll get ice cream. Um, and um, if I share this with Matthew, I also share it with another great actor, the late great Zero Mustel, who... Um, the real Max Bialystok, who was an inspiration to anyone who ever saw him in... Uh, but yes, it won 12 awards. Deserved. It, it I feel like they yeah. both deserve to win. Uh, yeah, they, I mean, they're both good for very different reasons. I Totally. Did um yeah. did uh 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 what's his name win for uh featured Gary Beach? Uh yeah, Gary Beach won supporting and Katie mm-hmm. and Katie Huffman as Ula won supporting actress, featured actress. Oh shit, okay. Yeah. Um but yeah, so it was uh they had three nominations in the supporting actor category. It was Gary Beach as Jeez. Roger Debris, Roger Bart as uh Common Gear, and uh Brad Oscar as Franz Liebkind. Um Wow. Um, yeah, it was just it sucked for the other two nominees, uh, who were both from the Full Monty. It was John <laughs> El- John Allison Connolly for the Full Monty, and a little known actor also in the Full Monty named Andre De Shields. Uh, oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I know. Was that the production with Patrick Wilson in it too? Sure was. Uh, yeah, thought so. Who was also nominated? Uh, this yeah, this was a, a this hunk. was a wild year. This was, was Andre this Shields. was the same year as Susical. This was the same year as Man. the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway. Uh, this was a, a kind of a bananas year, um, but they pretty much, yeah, like, they pretty much swept every musical category that they were eligible for. Um, they, they, they're pretty much, yeah, every single design award they won. The only award they didn't win, of course, was Revival of a Musical, because it wasn't a revival. Sure. And Best Actress. Or Best Actress, yeah. Because they didn't have a lead actress. there's not a lead actress. Yeah, and of course, show. that went to uh, our favorite musical theater, 9-11 Truther, Miss Christine Ebersole. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, back on the, the show. She's back on For the show. What? Friend of Alex, Forty uh, Second Street. Uh, back on the show. Our favorite out friend of Alex Jones, Christine Ebersole. Christine Ebs, uh, <laughs> baby. Keep on living your quote unquote truth, my friend. Uh, <laughs> Take those nootropics every day. Um, Is that's that enough. how you pronounce that? Christine nootropics. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Or nootropics. I think I've been pronouncing both. them nootropics because that sounds cool. Oh, that that makes them sound. Why not? It sounds it sounds charming that way. Uh, it does. It's cuter. <laughs> but enough about nootropics. Um, enough. <laughs> How about of a that. new topic? A new a new tropic. A new topic. A new topic. God, oh thank you God. for that, Brand. Thank you, Brand, for the assist. You're um, Rifka Reyes. We have come to the end of our episode, but before we close things out. At the end of every episode of Movie the Musical, we ask our guest a very important question. So, Rivka, if you could adapt any movie into a musical that has not been adapted already, what movie would you choose? I have so many answers to this question. I mm-hmm. think about this all the time. I like sometimes I'll like <laughs> write the song and then never show anybody because Same. I'm I'm right there know, with you. Yeah, I. The most recent one that I was like watching that I was just like, this is a musical. Like, why hasn't this been done? And then I looked it up and it hasn't. And I was just like, well, obviously I'm going to make this a musical and play the lead characters while you were sleeping. 
Oh, oh wow. Okay, okay. Which, fun fact, the movie was almost called The Coma Guy. <laughs> <laughs> More Pretty accurate title. Yeah. And there's, there is a nod to that in the movie where there's a scene where um, she's like, I'm marrying him. And then her boss goes, The Coma Guy? <laughs> <laughs> but they, they ended up changing it to While We Were Sleeping. Um, I think it would be great. It's like Christmas. We've got like a love story that, you know, becomes a different love story. We've got opportunities. I think Santino Fontana would be great as the Bill Pullman character great. to my Sandra Bullock. Um, and yeah, I, I think I love, I just love that movie so much. And I, it's always been one of my like go-to like non-Christmas Christmas movies. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. I, and, and it's so funny because I had completely forgotten about Catch Me If You Can because I kind of blocked it out. Sure. And that's like my one of my favorite movies randomly of all times, like I another movie, movie in which the women are all objects. And and I'm like, maybe we'll, <laughs> maybe we'll have you maybe me. if we will have you back on for that episode. Who knows? It is sure. truly one of my favorite movies of all time. I just haven't seen the musical and completely had forgotten that it happened. I've so, seen it. I hate it. We'll talk about it later. Hey, OK, OK. Um, and then another one that I really think needs to be a musical like stat. They're probably already working on it is um, The Princess Diaries. Sure. And actually, sure. my friend Evan Mills, who is um, a musical comedian and writer and um, a dear, dear friend, he actually like started writing a couple. He like I think he wrote a couple songs from like the like what if Princess Diaries is a musical and I got to sing and play. Mia Thermopolis in it. It was really, yeah, it was really fun. It's like a nice copy. Yeah. I think that would be a Springtime for Genosia. (laughs) (laughs) Genovia. There are already songs in that movie, too. There are already songs of the the, the Genovia and I like I like your bit. I like your joke, Brian. Springtime for Genovia. Don't feel bad. I was 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 confusing it with Geonosis, which is a planet on Attack of the Clones, a Star Wars film, (laughs) with all the little bugs on it. Springtime for Genovia. Oh, yes. maniacal. Uh, Springtime for it. the coma guy. Springtime <laughs> for the coma guy. He's sleeping. Hey, now there's a nice track to play is coma guy in that show. Um, yeah. Oh. Laying down or off stage for um, most of it. Great. Easy paycheck, baby. <laughs> Easy paycheck. Rivka, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, oh, thank you're a, you. You're an absolute treat. I feel like you're actually one of the first people that I met when I moved to Chicago. And so Aww. it's just, like, really lovely to just, like, know that, like, we are still in each other's lives, uh, even though you do not live so in the happy. city. Yes. It makes me so happy. Yeah, it was great to, it, it's been great to connect with you. And Bran, I love you. I miss you. It's so good to see you. I miss you. I wish we could sing together again. Oh, that was so fun. Bran and I sang together for a fly honey. Oh, Uh, yes. That was was one of my favorite, favorite performances that I've ever done. I think, I think Um, obviously, obviously we talked about uh, your wonderful podcast. uh, Where are we now? Uh, Is there anything else you want to plug at the end here? I've got two features out, um, Bad Animal and Alex October. I think will be out by the time this is released. I'm not sure. Uh, um, in a few weeks. Yeah, I don't Okay, know. then maybe not. Um, we're, we're in post. Uh, <laughs> Alex October is, is, I think it's completed and now doing like festivals. Bad Animal 
should be out um, somewhere. I, I think you'd have to just check out that animal film on Insta. We'll throw and it in the description below. Yeah. Insta. I've got Insta. I've got TikTok. Come find me on TikTok. I do these like live streams every uh, couple days where I pull tarot cards and it's a, it's like a tarot concert. It's really, really fun. Um, yeah. Sometimes I'll just like pull a card and pick a song based on what's on the card. And that'll be, that's, it's really fun. Um, but fun. yeah, yeah. And also I have a Patreon too, but I feel weird plugging my own Patreon on a, a podcast that has its own Patreon. <laughs> Listen, um, but if you... you're inclined and you want to see my ass, it's, it's patreon.com slash Rivka Reyes. Um, and yeah. And then also if you're interested in like hanging out and getting like a spiritual, like, you know, cleansing or Akashic re- uh, records reading or tarot reading, I, I do have a, um, a website for booking those and that's rivkareas.com. Amazing. So many things. You are fucking, you are crushing it. You are all over the damn place and i'm like what you're like one of the people who like when i see just the shit you're up to i'm just like oh i'm so happy that this human is thriving and making cool shit and it's so lovely it's so lovely to have you here um so thank you for being here as always i want to thank brand moorhead for producing and editing this show i want to thank every single person who is listening to this for listening to this i want to thank emily harrington for our artwork i want to thank m modaf and josh stanley for our kick ass theme song if you like the show be sure to rate us review us subscribe for future episodes you can follow us on instagram and twitter at movie the musical and if you want to support our podcast and get some sweet bonus content we too have a patreon if you go to patreon.com slash movie the musical you can become a monthly member for only three dollars a month you will not only support this wholly independent venture you will also get access to our bonus podcast where ah god when is this dropping i think next week you will get our little shop of horrors episode about the frank oz film um You've just heard our Sweeney Todd episode, but next week you will get our uh, little Shop of Horrors episode. Um, It's going to be a fun one where we just talk about the movie uh, starring Rick Moranis and Ellen Green and Steve Martin and that brilliant, brilliant puppet. Another Um, favorite. uh, Thanks, as always, and keep on singing. Thanks for and keep it gay. <laughs> keep it gay. Thanks for coming to hear our pod. Now we're sorry. It's time to go. If you like the show, then please subscribe. But if you didn't <laughs> like it, then just shut up. I'm very sorry. I'm making this up. Our podcast is very cool. So listen up. Bum, bum, bum. So thanks for listening. See you next week. Au revoir. Toodaloo. Ba ba da 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 da. Say goodbye. And blah. Goodbye. Movie the musical. Oh,